in a series on the good news. And I don't know about you, but I could use some good news. Last week, I spent a decent amount of time talking about what a bummer 2020 has been. And this past week, we could just add to that list. The violence in our country, the increased COVID numbers, the conflicts over masks, sudden heart attack, conversations that have led to conflict. We feel this universal ache that points to the brokenness that we are all experiencing. We experienced it before COVID and now it's just exacerbated. What do we do with that ache? How do we respond to it? Well, thanks to Alex and Rodney, we've been reminded today that God created us in his image and he loves us. We have worth and value because of that. And because we're created in God's image, we are to respond to the ache as God does. God calls it out. He calls it out for what it is. He acknowledges it and he breaks over it. His heart breaks over it. And then what do we do in the midst of that ache? How do we get through it? How do we see another day? Well, today in our passage, we're going to be pointed to Jesus. And Jesus offers us peace, peace in the midst of this universal ache that we all feel. Would you pray with me before we study the passage today? Jesus, I don't know what all of my friends and family are facing as they listen today. Jesus, I don't know what all we're gonna read about in the news between now and tomorrow. God, there are so many things uh, running around in my heart and in my head today, texts that I've received this week, news stories that I've read, things that we are experiencing, and Lord, the heaviness. We need you, Jesus. And as we study today, as we listen to your word today, Jesus, would you just remind us of who you are and what you offer to us? And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We're going to be in Ephesians 2 today. Paul's writing to a church that includes both Jews and Gentiles. Now, Jesus came for all people, Paul reminds them, for the people, the Jews, who have a history with God, and for people who do not have a history with God. Maybe they came from a pagan religion or an atheistic religion. Now, both groups of people were far away because of their sin, because of how they've wandered from God's path, and they were in need of a savior. They were also far away from each other. These two groups really isolated from one another. So in Ephesians 2, we start at verse 14, and it says, For he himself is our peace, meaning Jesus. Jesus, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. So I'm so excited today. As I was preparing for this message, I just kept telling myself, I get to preach about Jesus today. Jesus alone, I hope that that's what you hear. In this passage, it says that Jesus, he himself is our peace. Now, what's that word in Greek? I think I'm about to pronounce this correctly, Irene. It means a state of national tranquility. Doesn't that sound nice? No rage or havoc of war. Peace between individuals, harmony, accord. So there's a joke I remember. What kind of car did Jesus drive? Well, the Bible says that all of the disciples were in one accord. We're a Honda family, so maybe you'll appreciate that joke. Well, peace, peace means security, safety, felicity, quietness, and rest. 
I think this all sounds great, doesn't it? It sort of uh, contrasts with that bummer list of 2020 that I remember sharing last week. And this is good news. Jesus himself is our peace. It says that he takes two divided groups, two groups, and has made them one. It says that he's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And it says he set aside in his very body all of the laws or the rules or the codes of conduct that were established for Israel, meaning to keep them free from the sinful practices of the world around them, but instead had really ended up separating them from all people. It was meant to maintain their covenant with God, things that God had put in place for them, good, healthy boundaries for them. And instead, it had led them really to ethnic centrality, uh, probably racism, uh, and a separatist mindset that cut them off from the other peoples of the world. One commentary said that for faithful Jews to remain true to their rules, it made, the, made it all but impossible to have any kind of relationship with a Gentile. So basically of Jews, people who are in a covenant relationship with God, and then you have everybody else, that's the Gentiles. So I'm a Gentile. You likely, unless you have a Jewish heritage, you are a Gentile. This led to how they worshiped. So in the Jewish temple, Jews went to worship and they were allowed into this inner kind of sanctuary. And because of the rules, it led them to, outside of any rules of scripture or commands of God or Moses, it led them to literally build a wall where they worshiped God. It was not mandated again by scripture or anything else, but it followed the trajectory of where their rules led them to the extreme. Under penalty of death, Gentiles were not allowed to enter into that sanctuary. Now it says that Jesus took in himself those laws and he got rid of them so that these two groups could become one. Now this doesn't mean that God uh, m messed up when he made those rules, nor does it mean that Jesus is trying to wipe out any Old Testament history or even the Jews' way of life. It doesn't mean that Paul was against the Old Testament or that he's pointing out some sort of failures uh, of God or changing their minds. Instead, what they're trying to remind them, which is in scripture and in the Old Testament, is that God always had a plan for the whole world to be in relationship with him. Jesus came as a human being. He sweated. He breathed. He ate. He had to walk. God entered the world as a human. He identified with our brokenness in the sense that he as a human endured all of the evil fallout, the domino effect that sin had had on the world. And scripture tells us that that led him to a death on the cross, even though he didn't deserve it. He bore the weight of that evil and all of the brokenness when he died on the cross. So continuing on in Ephesians, the rest of verse 15 says his purpose, Jesus' purpose, was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to those of you who are far away, meaning the Gentiles who don't have a history with God, and he came to preach peace to those of you who were near, people who did understand some of what God was, 
but still needed Jesus, still sinners. So do you see how literally it is about Jesus? God initiates with us, and through Jesus, it says, in himself, he created one new humanity. By dying on the cross, he puts to death that hostility. Instead of barriers, the rules, the regulations that separated these people, Jesus is saying, I am going to create a new family. We've talked about in Romans this new humanity that Jesus had a vision for. Both peoples were far from God. Both peoples were sinners. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And all of us need the grace of God. All of us need Jesus. God always had a plan for this from the beginning of time, that it would be all nations living together with one king, King Jesus. Verse 18 in Ephesians 2 goes on to say, For through him, through Jesus, we both, meaning the two groups, have access to the Father by one spirit. The good news is that in Jesus, all of us, no matter where you come from, no matter what your card says that you come from, no matter what your papers are, no matter what your background is, we all have access to the Father through the Spirit. Now, kind of a side note here. In the Christian worldview, we believe that God is one with three persons who work together in unity. And this scripture is one of the ways that we point to that reality. It talks about Jesus, it talks about the Father, and it talks about the Holy Spirit. And it talks about how they work together to create this new humanity, how to give us salvation, a new way to live. And just as those three work as one, God gives us a vision for how even though we can be separated, when we focus on Jesus, when we are unified, we can live in community, unified community. So this is good news, isn't it? Again, I don't know where you're coming from today. I don't know what kind of conflict that you've been in. I don't know how the news creates in you a sense of unrest or a lack of peace. But here it is, it says over and over and over again, I think Brian and I counted four times in these few short verses, that Jesus is offering us peace. Peace through himself. So we're in a series on the good news. And it comes from an illustration called The Big Story. And we started it last week. We started here, looking at this world of chaos and people who are divided. Divided from God and divided from each other. At war, in a sense, with the world, living in the chaos of the world. That's what we see when we turn on the news, right? That's what we see when we look around if we're brave enough to get on social media. But as we live in this, we feel the brokenness. We feel the chaos. We feel like it's not right. It's not supposed to be this way. Whether it's now in COVID or even before COVID, we have this sense of where's the normal? How do we get through this? When is it gonna be back to normal? And just as that ache tells us, as, as, as thirst tells us that, that there's water or hunger tells us there's food, that ache tells us that there either once was a world where all things were right, or there once will be. And again, in the Christian worldview, that's what we believe. We believe that God created people to be in right relationship with each other, right relationship with God, right relationship with the world. That's what Genesis, we talked about that last week. God created it and said it was good. But humans decided, nope, 
we're going to do it our own way. We don't trust God in his boundaries. We don't trust that we're created in his image. We don't trust the goodness that he has offered to us. And so we try to take matters in our own hands. So God loves us. Again, Alex and Rodney remind us of that. Scripture reminds us of it over and over again. God didn't want to just leave us in this place damaged by evil. So what did he do? Well, he sent Jesus into this world where people were out of relationship with God. They were broken in relationship with one another. And he came and through his life, through his death, and the resurrection, and in Ephesians it tells us, in himself he created peace. We believe that God came in the form of Jesus, and Jesus showed us a better way of, li- of life. Jesus offers the cross and says, I took the penalty of all of that. You don't have to. I took it on for you. Now, when Jesus came and he lived on the planet, he was living with people who were different than he was. He was living in a population of divided people. And Jesus was able to have relationships with people even who didn't like him. He showed the way, and for some of those people, they repented and looked to him for the answer for peace. Jesus lived perfectly looking to the Father, doing only what the Father did, showing us how to live a life with God at the center of it. Ephesians says that he came and preached peace to those of you who are far away and peace to those who are near. And through him now, we all have access to the Father by one spirit. Now, we're going to continue next week. Notice that the world is still broken. One day that will not be the case. But Jesus wants to send us out into this broken world. He has made us right to make us, to help us make things right. James Chung, who designed this and illustrates this, he says in his video, as he's sharing this, I watched this online this week, he said, through Jesus, we can become the greatest lovers on the planet. And in so doing, we can bring the greatest amount of good. So today, if there were ever a day, and I've said this a few times in the last few months, but if there were ever a day when you needed to hear the good news, if there were ever a time for you to look in your heart and to say, where am I at with this King Jesus? Do I believe that he in himself is the peace that I am looking for? Maybe you've said yes to Jesus before. You acknowledge that there's a broken world. You know that God created it for good, but it's been damaged by evil. You believe that Jesus has come, and maybe you even believe that you are sent out to heal. Would you be reminded today, inspired today again, to look to Jesus for your peace? When you're at odds with your friends and family about various topics, would you take a minute to focus on Jesus? How would Jesus handle this conversation? How can he be my peace in the midst of this? If we believe that he has taken the dividing walls of hostility in himself and he's broken down those walls, what does that look like? How do we follow Jesus in such a time of conflict, of violence, of misunderstanding? What does it look like? Jesus, you are my peace. Help me. And if you have never said yes to Jesus, if this is new for you or parts of it are new, or maybe you grew up 
believing and understanding, following Jesus, and you have drifted away. What does it look like for you to say to Jesus, I need that peace that you're offering. I need to have access to the Father through the Spirit. If that's you today, if you need to be brought near to God, you who are once far away, it says that Jesus is bringing you near, offering to bring you near. He's offering your peace, felicity, tranquility, accord, quietness, rest. He's offering our nation peace in himself. And you all, without Jesus, it is not possible. With Jesus, it's hard. It's an uphill, it's an uphill struggle. But Jesus promises us peace. And if you need to receive that today, we simply ask. We say, God, I need you. God, I am part of this brokenness. We talked about that last week. Owning our own parts, our own people's part, our church's part in the brokenness of history and today. And asking Jesus, I believe that your death on the cross, it takes the weight of my sin, that heaviness, that ache, Jesus, I believe that you took the penalty for it and I can receive the grace that you offer Jesus. I believe in your resurrection and how that conquered the effects of sin and death. And we can then have hope. I was just running one with someone this morning and we talked about we have to have hope these days. The hope of the resurrection is that one day we are gonna be in right relationship with all tongues and tribes and nations. And until that time, Jesus sends us out to be the greatest lovers on the planet, the greatest peacemakers on the planet. But we need to have the strength of Christ, the risen Savior, the King of all kings. We're going to show you a video in a minute. And I hope again for those of you who have said yes to Jesus like I have years ago, and as you watch this, that it could become the greatest locker room uh, pump-up speech that you've heard in a long time. I haven't even just watched it and just remembering what I feel like when I see it is getting me emotional. Because it points us to who Jesus is. And even though I'm in an empty room right now, preaching to you through this camera and the technology, the miracle of how we are able to do this, the emotion that's welling up in me to urge you to consider Jesus today, again or for the first time. May this video be an inspiration for us to focus on Jesus who broke down the dividing wall of hostility and offers us peace through himself. Amen. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. 
He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent, and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous, and his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah, that's my king. That's my king. Amen.